We're going to have to start doing ice cream every week. Now, Regina's like, yeah, right, that's easy for you to say. By the way, thank you, Regina and everyone, for helping out and doing the ice cream tonight. Yeah. Third John. Third John. Going to spend two weeks in this little book. And as we get into Third John tonight, another very personal letter from the Apostle John to an individual, which makes it different than Second John. Second John was written to a local church, a local congregation. Third John is written to a particular leader in a local church, whose name is Gaius. The other thing that sort of separates Second John or Third John from Second John is that in Second John, John is warning the church not to show hospitality or encourage or affirm or help false teachers at all. That that uh, that only makes us a partaker of their destructive ministry, but. He didn't want uh, churches to get the idea that they weren't supposed to help and support and show hospitality to anybody if there were people out there that were truly sharing the gospel and trying to reach people for Jesus Christ, then it is our duty, it is our obligation in Christ to support them and show hospitality. And so he wants to sort of affirm that tonight. So Tonight, we're just going to read or study the first eight verses, and then next week, we'll look at verses 9 through 15. Let me just read the first eight verses from the Net Bible tonight, if you'd like to follow along. John writes, from the elder to Gaius, my dear brother, whom I love in truth, dear friend. I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health just as it is well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, just as you are living according to the truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are living according to the truth. Dear friends, you demonstrate faithfulness by, what, by whatever you do for the brothers even though they are strangers. They have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone forth on behalf of the name, accepting nothing from the pagans. Therefore, we ought to support such people so that we become co-workers in cooperation with the truth. Tonight, this is going to be a family message. And not that we don't have people, especially on Tuesday night, that come to our Bible study from other churches. And we're glad you're here and we want you to continue to be with us on Tuesday night and feel welcome. But certainly I want to apply this passage most of all to us as an Oasis church. So this is going to be a very personal, uh, I think, message for us tonight. Uh, and, and that's sort of where John was coming from. This was a very personal letter to Gaius, and yet the church, when they were 
seeking God's wisdom on what books should be included in the Bible, this was a book that they chose because they saw the value of churches both in John's day and throughout history, understanding the truth of what is contained in this short personal letter from the Apostle John to his friend Gaius. If there's one thing that stands out to me in these verses that we read tonight, and really throughout all of 3 John, it is the strength of the bond between Christians. God desires, God wants His children to formulate strong bonds with each other. Bonds that cannot be broken. In fact, you'll notice even in, this, in these eight verses... Notice how many times he refers to Gaius this way. In verse 1, to Gaius, my dear brother. Verse 2, dear friend. Verse 5, dear friend. In the Greek language, these are all the same word. They mean beloved. One who is valued. One who is precious. And John is saying to this man, I value you. You are precious to me. You are my beloved brother, my dear friend. And even in the way he addresses Gaius, you can see that intimate bond and that strong bond that exists between John and this man. They, in a sense, in their own relationship, are modeling for their congregation and for fellow Christians the way that Christians should be with each other. We are in the family, and we are to look at each other that way. That's why I think it's so important that we create an environment and strive to be a church that encourages connection and encourages people to get together and be intimate with each other. And yes, we have to go through all the that you have to go through to build relationships and maintain relationships, But that's the way God wants it. That's His desire. That's His will. If we're talking about what's the will of God for my life, one of God's great wills for His children is that we be connected and be in strong bonds with each other. One of the most encouraging things I've heard lately as as the pastor of this church is that I've had not... Not in any way were they connected. I had four different people come up to me, unrelated, in the last three weeks, and I guess felt led to share that they've never been in a church where they had so many friends. You just got to hear me say, that makes me feel good. Because that's the way it should be. How sad that Christians go to and become part of a church and yet really don't feel connected or in any way friends with the people that they do church with. And so it is important. You, You see it here in the Bible all the time. Dear brother, dear friend. 
Then he says in verse 1, whom I love in truth. One of the bonds, if you will, that they share is the truth. It's one thing to be bound together because we have Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're in the family together. But it even makes it stronger when we come together in truth, where we believe the truth that God created the world. Where we believe that Jesus Christ is the way of salvation. That we believe that we're saved by grace and not through works. That we believe that Jesus is coming again. When we believe this truth together, these fundamentals of our faith, this, this Christian doctrine that we've been talking about in our study of the book of Jude, it also ties us together and binds us together in an even stronger way. And that's what John is recognizing. You are my dear brother, Gaius, and I love you in truth. Then verse 2, dear friend, first of all, I'm praying for you. And there's one of the other great things that we should be doing for each other is praying for one another. I don't mean this necessarily to be convicting as much as it is just a reminder. How much time do you and I spend each week praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ? It's one of the greatest privileges that we have, and yet one of the greatest ministries that we could have. John says, I pray that all may go well with you. The words here mean to have a prosperous and successful journey, if you will. That's, that's what John is praying for Gaius. Well, that's pretty cool. And notice this, that you may be in good health. Talking about his physical health. Just as it is well with your soul. I love that. In a sense, John doesn't know specifically how Gaius is doing physically. But John does know through the testimony of other Christians how spiritually Gaius is doing. Spiritually, he is healthy. Spiritually, he is thriving. Spiritually, if he was to go to a spiritual doctor, if you will, the doctor said, man, you pass. You are, you are healthy spiritually. And so John understands how healthy Gaius is spiritually and just says, boy, I, I know how healthy you are spiritually. I hope you're just as healthy physically. What if we were to equate our physical health with our spiritual health? Some of us probably wouldn't be feeling too well. Because some Christians aren't thriving spiritually. They're, they're, they're not spiritually healthy. And so one of the things that you obviously comes through here is John's desire, and he's so glad that, that Gaius is doing so spiritually well. And when he says... It is well with your soul. That simply means that we're in right relationship with our Lord. That we're walking with Him. That we're in fellowship with Him. And there's that soul level that just can't beat anything else. Is it well with our soul tonight? That's a great hymn, by the way, isn't it? 
And then notice verse 3. For I rejoiced greatly. John is saying in verse 3, man, I was, I was beside myself when other brothers, fellow believers, came and testified, first of all, to your truth. Notice that Gaius didn't have to go around tooting his own spiritual horn. Gaius didn't have to go around to his brothers and sisters in Christ and say, you know I'm a wonderful Christian, right? You know how spiritual I am, right? No. When you and I are living for Christ and doing what Christ wants, it will be evident to our brothers and sisters. And how cool is it when brothers and sisters will, are willing to get up in a sense affirm and confirm, hey, this brother Gaius, he's doing it right. In a sense, one of the great things that we see here is that many times as Christians, we fall into the trap of throwing all of our concern and all of our time and all of our energy into Christians who are struggling. And I'm not saying that that's bad. But I think it's also wise to throw our time and energy and, and encouragement and stuff into people when they're doing it well. What an encouragement. How many times as a Christian throughout your Christian life has another Christian, like John did with Gaius, come into your life and say, I'm so glad you're living for Christ. Keep it up. Usually we're interacting with each other whenever a Christian's on life support or not doing very well. Oh, we need to pay attention to them. I think what John is saying is when we're connected to each other and when we have those strong bonds with each other and we truly love each other, when we see that people are doing it right, we ought to commend them. We ought to encourage them. We ought to pat them on the back. We ought to encourage them. Because to me, then, what better inspiration and motivation can we have if we're doing it right to just keep doing it right when we have groups of Christians and our friends and stuff coming around saying, hey, I can see the difference that this is making in your life. I see, I see how, you know, since you've really committed your life to Christ, man, it's making a difference. And that's what John's doing here. And I think it's also important when he reminds us that we as Christians should be willing to stand up and testify about other Christians when they're doing it well. To be able to share before other Christians the same thing. And then he goes on to say, not that just they were able to testify to your truth, but just as you are living according to the truth. Of course, we talked about that a lot in 2 John. That the word living here means to walk, to regulate one's life, to make progress. And the only way I can really make progress in my life is when I'm living out the truth. The truth of God isn't something to just be absorbed into my head. It's something to be lived out. We're going to talk more about that Sunday when I share my spiritual challenge with the church on Sunday. Then verse 4, John basically says, I have no greater joy than this. That's a strong statement. 
That's a strong statement for any Christian to make, much less someone with the standing of the Apostle John. And yet here's what he says. You know what makes me happy, John says? You know what affects me and moves me inside and gives me great joy? When I hear that my spiritual children are living according to the truth. That's what gets me going. Again, do we get as excited and filled with joy when we see and know of other brothers and sisters in Christ who are doing it well and doing it right? And do we share that with them? Do we, do we take the time to go over and say, hey, I just want you to know, I know I've noticed your spiritual growth. I noticed the pro- I, I've noticed lately the progress that you've been making. I can see the difference that your commitment to Christ is making in your life. That's so important. John here is just being so encouraging to Gaius. Not because Gaius is doing something wrong and he's trying to come along and get him back on the right track. John is taking someone who's doing it right And just telling him, keep on doing it. You bring such joy to my life, Gaius, because I know you and others are walking according to the truth. Man, as someone who considers himself an elder and who's looking out for the church of Jesus Christ, John says, it doesn't get any better than that. I certainly, I get excited when people come to know Christ as their Savior. I get excited when Christians who maybe have walked away from the Lord repent and come back into fellowship. But again, this goes back to, I think, the priority of spiritual growth. And what we miss many times is John is also affirming how important spiritual growth is when he says, but my greatest joy is when I hear that God's people are walking according to truth and doing it right. That's what gives me great joy. So verse 5, Dear friend, you demonstrate faithfulness by, by whatever you do for the brothers. Now there's a lot of ways that you and I can demonstrate faithfulness to God. But notice here, John is saying one of the greatest ways that we can demonstrate our faithfulness to God is by serving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Wow. In fact, keep your finger there in 3 John and go back to the book of Hebrews for a moment. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. This verse is a great encouragement, I think, for every Christian who may be out there serving and trying to encourage other brothers and sisters in Christ. Notice what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love you have demonstrated for His name in having served and continuing to serve the saints. Wow. Now again, we can serve anyone. 
But God holds a special place for brothers and sisters in Christ when they serve each other. And then go back to the book of Galatians. I promise this will be the last one. Then we'll go back to 3 John. Galatians chapter 6. Oh, I'm just going to... Okay. Look at verses 9 and 10. So we must not grow weary in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people. But notice Paul also says at the end, especially to those who belong to the family of faith. Yeah, it's great to do good to all people, but especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what John was recognizing with Gaius. They've testified that you have served the saints. Notice also back in 3 John verse 5, even though they are strangers, it means someone new. In fact, in the Greek, it also means to offer hospitality to someone that you don't know. See, in those days, they had a lot of itinerant missionaries and ministers that would travel from town to town and church to church sharing Christ and sharing the gospel and sharing the word of God. And so again, in 2 John, he was like, don't open up your home and help people who are out there propagating false teaching that's destructive, but certainly to true brothers and sisters in Christ, open up your resources, support them, help them out in any way that you can. Even if they're new, open up your arms to those that are new. That's a great reminder to any church. Because certainly God is continuing to to build the bond and create an even stronger tie, hopefully, with those of us who are already here. But God's going to always want to bring in new people as well. And instead of being a church that becomes sort of closed to the new people that come, we've always got to be open and welcoming and loving, knowing that if God's calling them here, then they're supposed to be part of this family too, and we've got to welcome them in and make them a part of our family just as much as the rest of us. And that's what Gaius was doing as well. Notice in verse 6, they have again testified to your love before the church. They were like, when people asked about Gaius, oh, Gaius? My goodness, he opened up his home. He helped us out. He helped me. He was such an encouragement to me. He affirmed me and confirmed what I'm doing in so many ways. He was a breath of fresh air. He was so refreshing. And notice John's then exhortation to Gaius. You do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. You do well doesn't come across the way it should It literally means keep on doing what you're doing, Gaius. Keep on doing what you're doing by ministering to the brothers and sisters in Christ, especially those out there who are truly in ministry. 
and taking on ministry. And notice what the word send them on their way. This is really important. It doesn't just mean, well, open up the door and wave goodbye and say, hey, it was nice having you here for a night. Hope things go well. The word send them on their way literally mean to outfit with everything necessary for the journey. It means not only maybe to financially support them in some way so that they can get to the next town or whatever, but anything that they need to keep on going for Jesus Christ, if you have it within you, you outfit them with what they need to get to the next place. And then he says, in a manner worthy of God. I love this word in the Greek. It means having the same weight or value. In other words, he's saying, oh, and by the way, the way you're treating these brothers and sisters in Christ, make sure you remember it should have the same weight or value as if it was God himself. Isn't that what Jesus even taught? If you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brothers, you've what? Done it unto me. Remember what he said to Saul on the road to Damascus? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus Christ identifies with His people. So anything that we do to another brother or sister in Christ, it's as if we're doing it to Jesus. Think about it. Jesus would have had a really nice ice cream Sunday tonight when He walked in that door. And hopefully if Jesus would have walked in and we wouldn't have recognized it was Jesus, hopefully some of us would have went over Shook his hand, told him it was good to have him here, good to see him. Maybe ask him to sit at our table tonight if we knew that he, this was his first time here. That's what John is saying. That we always should treat our brothers and sisters in Christ in a manner worthy of God. Wow. For notice in verse 7, he says, they have gone forth. Literally, they have sacrificed. They have left their homes and their families and stuff behind. Willingly, yes. But they have made sacrifices on behalf of the name. The name that is above every name. And notice then he says in verse 7, accepting nothing from the pagans. Meaning... It was never God's design that the gospel should be supported by unbelievers. Or that a Christian should go to an unbeliever and go, Hey, I got some good news to share with you. How about ten bucks first? You give me ten and I'll, I'll share with you. It was never to be that way. It was always and has always been God's design that God's ministry, that God's work be supported financially and so many other ways by God's people. Not by unbelievers. So then in verse 8, he says, Therefore, we ought to support such people. I love this word in the Greek. It's such a, it's such a picture word. It means to grab a hold of and help lift. We are called by God to grab a hold of our brothers and sisters in Christ and help lift them up. That's what the word support means. So that we become co-workers. Literally, companions in labor in cooperation with the truth. 
Don't miss what John is saying to Gaius and to us. He's saying, and any support that you give to them, you then become part of their ministry. And any fruit from their ministry, one day God's going to bless you because they were able to do what they did for Christ because of your support. And God won't forget that. So we see here the strong bond that exists or should exist between brothers and sisters in Christ. And we see the kind of encouragement and support that should be going on within the body of Christ. So here's where I want to get a little personal tonight in applying this passage. I would like for all of us at the Oasis Church to maybe consider and pray about and seek the Lord in this. And how can I, meaning me, all of us, how can all of us be a little bit more conscious, a little bit more intentional about supporting our brothers and sisters in Christ right here at the Oasis? Especially, can I say this, especially based on this, not that all of us don't need support and encouragement, because we all do. But especially those who may be leading a ministry. So let me start to get personal. I'm going to start with our staff. Nicole and Crystal. Many of you may know this, many of you may not, but these two gals have always been just part-time staff. They're only supposed to work 20 hours a week for this church. That's all we've ever paid them for. But I will tell you, from day one that they came on staff at the Oasis, both of these girls have always put in way more than 20 hours a week for the body of this church. And... I just think we have two great gals doing children's ministry and worship ministry at this church. I think some people may think, oh, they're, they're getting paid for 40 hours a week, right? No. <laughs> no. Only 20. Only 20. But they put in a lot more than that. Then I want to talk about our elders. Tony, Scott, and Dave. I know for many people, they are being introduced to these guys, and that's on me, that's not on them. Many have said, hey, we're glad you finally are bringing the elders up there so that we can get to know who these people are. Well, that wasn't because they didn't want to do it. As soon as I said, hey, guys, would you? yeah, we, we'll, we'd love to do it. I just want you to hear from me how much I value these guys. You'll be learning in the weeks ahead some of the specific things that they do for the church. But can I tell you from my perspective, the greatest ministry that these three men have to me is they support me. They allow me to do what God has called me to do. And that doesn't mean they're yes men. 
Let me give you an example. Several months ago, we had to deal with a situation where we had a, I'll just say it this way, an uncooperative missionary that we were supporting. And I shared with them, guys, I I think we should handle this this way. And all three of those guys came back and said, you know, Pastor, I think we should handle it this way. And I said, you, go, you know what, guys? Your way is the better way. Let's do it your way. And they do this over and over and over again. All the time. Good guys. Who I hope that not only along with Nicole and Crystal, but that we will encourage and support them in the ministry that they've taken on. And then I look around the room at our ministry leaders, and not all of them are here, but the ones that are. I think of Jeff over there with the sound and all the technical stuff. Boy, he could use some encouragement and support. That's a thankless job, though. even now that we've got the, the, the storage over there to lug this back and forth every Tuesday and get it out on Sunday, and we're always looking for more people to help, and more people are stepping up to help, but... You can never use or have enough people over there. And I guess why I'm sharing this is maybe God will lay it on your heart that instead of us being a church that always keeps adding ministries, that we take to heart what John is saying here in these first eight verses and say, hey, maybe God wants me to help support a ministry we've already got and make that stronger. And, and take some of the weight and burden off of the people who are already heading it up instead of keep spreading ourselves thinner and thinner and thinner. I think of Debbie and Steve and Phil and Regina, our hospitality ministry and our potlucks. These guys could always use more help. They don't ask for it. Always doing things. Always volunteering to help. But boy, it'd be great if we all just made sure we prayed for these people and supported them. Marsha, our women's director. Gals, get behind her. Pray for her. She's trying to lead the women of our church to a closer walk with Jesus. Woody Rast, our men's director. Stephen, our young adults leader. I mean, I just go around the room and go, guys, you know, we've got people here that are leading. Judith over there heads up our benevolence ministry to try to help people out in need. We've just got people everywhere. And I know most of you well enough to know your heart is so big. You want to help. I, we celebrated Produce with a Purpose on Sunday. Mark over here with the park ministry now. This guy has taken this ministry on and just poured himself into it. I know Mark would love to see more people out one Saturday a month to go down there and do the park ministry. I've heard testimonies from people who have went at the park ministry of how life-changing that is for them to be around these folks. So, even though, relatively speaking, we're a small church, 
There's a lot of ministry going on. And can I tell you one of the cool things that I get to hear that maybe you don't? is that there's a lot of lives being changed and a lot of great things happening that the church in general never gets to hear about. Because if you're not involved necessarily in that particular ministry, it's like there could be wonderful things going on, but, you know. And that's where, though, if we get involved and we support, maybe we can begin to share. And we're, we're trying to do that. One of the things that we're trying to do on a more consistent basis just to let you know is to bring our ministry directors together and let them share their prayer requests and their concerns and 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 let them also share the praises of what god is doing in their ministry so other ministry directors can hear and maybe share it with their ministries as well so that we can hear more about what's going on but certainly you guys know this we're limited most people come here and they, you know, want me to, obviously I want to too, crack the Bible, let's get into the Word. But we also need to remember there's, there's unbelievable things going on in all kinds of places around here. And we need to stop. And we need to recognize and acknowledge what God's doing and who He's doing it with and who He's doing it through. And like John says, put our arms around these people and say, I'm so thankful for you. Thanks for stepping up. Thanks for putting in the time and the sacrifice. We're a family. And as a family, we should be thrilled And have no greater joy in our lives than to hear that our children are living according to the truth. And are willing to be a church that supports each other. And becomes companions in labor. I'll end with this. One of the ministries that I believe... God has called Lisa and I to is to be very conscious and intentional about encouraging other pastors in ministry. Let me tell you a little bit why. These statistics may shock some of you. In the first four years of ministry, 70% of pastors will drop out of the ministry never to enter ministry ever again in the first four years that they come into ministry. In America today, 1,500 pastors are leaving the ministry every month. Pastors in America are in the top three occupations as far as suicide goes. And 65% of pastors, if they had another viable way of earning a living, would leave the ministry today. Because they really don't want to be doing what they're doing. Shocking, isn't it? Sad. I share that for this reason. 
If ministry can be that discouraging to those who believe that they are called and have been trained, then how much more discouraging and challenging can ministry be for those who are just doing it on a volunteer basis? All the more reason why we need to strive to be a church that supports our ministers and encourages our people who are out there day in, day out, week in, week out, who are doing what they do here out of their love for God and their love for their brothers and sisters in Christ. As your pastor, all I can say is I'm so thankful to have the people here that I have. I wouldn't want to be doing this with any other group of people. And yet I know and I'm excited about the future because I know God is going to continue to bring other people here. People who are going to be just as excited to be here as some of you are. Some of you who've told me lately, I'm so glad I found this church. I've been looking for a church like this. And I'm just going to mention a couple people because I don't think they'd mind. If you want to talk to some people like that, talk to Brian and Lois Tammany. Talk to Chris and Jill over there, Olson. They're just a couple of people that come to mind who have shared with Lisa and I what this church And this church family means to them. And I know we could all be there. That's what John is saying. Let's support each other. Let's continue to be companions in the work for the name of Jesus. And let's continue to allow God to strengthen the bond that we have with each other because we are to be dear to each other. Our brothers and sisters should be precious and valuable to us. To me, that means then we have an obligation to take great care of each other before Christ. What God wants you to do with this, I don't know. Frankly, I don't care because I know that I know you well enough and I know God well enough to know that you're going to allow God to move in your life and you're going to take this message and you're going to apply it the way God wants you to apply it. I trust that. So with that, let's pray. God, thank you for a little letter at the end of the New Testament like 3 John. A letter that on the surface may not seem very important. And yet the truth that is contained in this little letter is so important. God, here's Here's the last apostle of Jesus Christ who's alive. I believe all the other apostles have died at this point. The last one 
who is imparting at a very old age the importance of brothers and sisters in Christ supporting one another in ministry and encouraging each other. And he's doing it by modeling it for us. By being an example of what a mature Christian, how we're supposed to treat and react and respond to our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, help us to be a church that encourages each other, that prays for each other, that supports each other. And instead of always looking for new things that we can be involved in, help us to support the people and the ministries that are already going on. Because Lord, it's about people. And no ministry in any local church is more important than the people are. How sad that through the years, ministry has destroyed pastors' lives and pastors' families' lives. How sad through the years that ministry has destroyed Christians' lives. To the point where they don't even want anything to do with God or church anymore. And maybe it was because there was all this responsibility and weight put on them. But very little or no encouragement along the way. No one to come alongside and let them know how much they were appreciated. No one who ever came along and grabbed a hold of them and said, can I lift you up? Can I pray for you? Would you allow me to encourage you in some way? Because I know that you're out there trying to encourage others. God, give us a sensitive heart especially to our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's so easy to become critical, to begin to analyze others and ministries in an unedifying way. But God, it's a lot harder to get in there and pray for people every day and to encourage them in some way. And to come alongside and support them in some way. God, help us to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you folks. We'll see you Sunday.